Hello, everyone. Welcome to Americana Quill. This is Writer to Writer. This show is brought to you by nobody, as this is my first show, and God willing, not my last. So please like, subscribe, and tell a friend that likes to subscribe. Yes, I made that up myself, kind of corny, but I love it. Anywho, my first guest is a childhood friend who I spent some of my most impactful summers with as a youth growing up in the same areas, kind of, of New York, but like definitely different different styles of how we grew up. So I want to welcome a freelance writer and soon to be Esquire, Dome. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I get to be the first guest on your show. Well, hopefully it sounds good. Hopefully everyone likes it. That's all I care about. <laughs> I just want people to really love the process of writing because there's so many jobs I think in writing that people don't realize. Yeah. They think you have to be in front of a camera, but there's great jobs as, as a screenwriter. And there's just so many different avenues. And I just want to tackle maybe the avenue that you chose, which is freelance writing and especially in the health sector. So So before we get into all that, I guess I want to talk about our childhood together, growing up, um, seeing each other. And some of our, I always say some of our most impactful summers. Yeah, uh, you watched me go through the whole puberty from beginning to <laughs> <laughs> Same here, before facial hair to me having facial hair, yeah, was, all of ooh, it. A yeah. time before girls needed eyebrows. That was a different <laughs> <laughs> So we met around, I want to say about 12 or 13, because you did yes. a different session before you came to our session of session two. Yeah, I was 13. So... How would you describe yourself at, I guess, 12 years old? Because you were a reader then and uh, yes. someone into literature for sure. I was a nerd. I was a big <laughs> nerd. Like, I knew, like, even though I grew up in, like, Queens, like, in similar type of neighborhoods, like, my parents are super African. They were really, really strict. Right. They right. didn't let me do anything. The only thing I was allowed to do without, like, restrictions was read. So that's right. all I did all the time. And I really liked um fantasy books and so like I I read Harry Potter before it was cool I would just like to say I know everyone is on the bandwagon now but I love Harry Potter I love like I, I even read the Twilight series the Hunger Games um Divergent series I like read everything that had a little bit of magic or a fairy or a goblin or like a, a something in it I was like okay let me read it and I liked historical fiction too which is a little nerdy but I thought it was so cool. Like No, but like, I think what we think is like kind of nerdy or, or out there. It's like people, when you grow up, it's like, no, these things were cool. And you'll find your village yeah. and those people that like it too. Yes. I, I loved history. I probably should have been a history major, but uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um I, Was I, that I, your favorite subject before um, getting into yeah, sciences? And you? It was my favorite subject. But you know, when you're, when you're an African kid growing up, you got three choices, doctor, right. lawyer, engineer, or you're a failure, pretty much. I mean, and you chose a little bit of, of doctor <laughs> and lawyer, so. A, a little bit of that. both. <laughs> so that. I guess I landed in between. Two, two out of three, not bad. Right, two out of, two out of three, we, we're making it, so. So before I we started this interview, I was actually speaking to my wife and I told her how I think you have one of the top five best taglines when it comes to your Instagram posts. And I'm going to read it for everyone <laughs> so they know exactly what I'm talking about. Your tagline was, uh, where is it? 
kind of interesting going on. Do you do you know it? Because I have it here too. Oh no, you can read it. You can read it. I'll let okay. you. Okay. Surprise though. <laughs> Last of the HP cool kids. Yes. Ravenclaw bred with a Hufflepuff heart. Yes. That is top five to me, especially <laughs> if you loved Harry Potter growing up. I love it. I feel like, you know, the people who like Harry Potter now, they like it because of the movies. But, right. like, real No, fans, no, no. We was into those books. Fans, like, it was the books. And honestly, the books are better than the movies. I will say the first movie is the closest to the book. But after hmm. the second movie, they changed directors. So it was a little bit. They lost the integrity a little bit, you feel? Yeah, it was, it was just great to watch, but it was touch and go. Like, there were some parts I was just like, now y'all know that's not even what happened in the book. So why yeah. did you add this? Um, but yeah, and, and like J.K. Rowling, she made an official site, you know, before she started with her shenanigans that she's doing on Twitter right now. But before what, all of this- I don't even know that her shenanigans speak of it. Ooh. Oh, she is basically- What, Donald Trump fan? What's going was, on here? Oh no, that would that would break uh, my heart. But uh, um, she basically is co- was commenting on the trans community, um, uh, just kind of saying off color comments that she really didn't need to say. It was not necessary right. for her to add to the conversation. So it's kind of just like, oh, you she know, she could have kept her hate to herself. Absolutely, yeah, I but get you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Heroes, you just right. you them grow up and. Just like they said in Batman, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. And now that's the truth. She's on the road to not being a hero. But um, before before all of that, she made a website called Pottermore. Like I think we were like in college then, and I it was it was missed all the good stuff, right? Like the official like if you take this test, whatever it says, like that's the house that you're in. I had taken. A hundred tests. Every single test was like Hufflepuff. I was like Hufflepuff, ride or die. I was like yellow and black, everything. I hate every other house. My best friend was like the <laughs> Ravenclaw queen. Me and her together, we was a dynamic duo. So we finally get onto Pottermore because like the original website crashed. Mm. And we're like, oh my god, like it's it's D Day. Like we're officially gonna know who we are because like you can't you can't cheat this test. Like she made it and she wrote the book. Get on there. And then the test says Ravenclaw. I almost threw up. I was like, what? Like, I was like, this is a typo. Like, you know what? <laughs> like, After this show, I want you to send me the link. I'm going to do it, take okay. the test myself, and we're going to yeah. write a cold blog together. And I'm going to put it on my no, website. I, I will be down for that because okay. I, was, I was devastated. Like, I almost cried. I felt like I didn't know who I was as a person anymore. I'm just like, Ravenclaw, like, oh like why do I want to be there but then the older I got like even though I do identify with Hufflepuff a lot and I'm like I feel like I have the heart and the generosity and the cheerfulness I think that a lot of my Ravenclaw tendencies came out like with school Mm. and with books and with learning and like I guess that's who I am in my core so that's why I had to change my name to Ravenclaw bread with a Hufflepuff heart, because I would be lying if I said. I, I think that's so so fire though. That that's your tagline. <laughs> was that like an original thing, or you heard that somewhere? And you was like, oh, I've got oh that. no, I just made that. I honestly, nah, that, 
one day because my tag said it still said Hufflepuff, and then my friend was like, "But aren't you a Ravenclaw?" And I was like, <laughs> "I see you coming for me, so I'm gonna." Right. Like, just remember this when you take your own test. Right. Yeah. And my best friend ended up being the Hufflepuff. And she was in shock, too. Like, what is this? And so I guess we're we're two sides of the same coin, I guess. Mm. (laughs) Almost like a a Gemini. That's pretty cool. So what's your favorite fiction book of 2020, I guess? I I know you read so many books that were probably so important to you in your life. So let's just say, I guess this year, if you had the chance. I don't know if it was written in, I don't think it was written in 2020. It might be like 2016. That's fine. Just just one of your favorites, I guess. But one of my newer favorites is this book called Akata Witch. Um, Akata is like when... Um, that sounds interesting. So. Yeah, it's West African people, specifically Nigerian people. I'm from Cameroon, so it's a little bit right. different. But we kind of adopt and use the same slang. So when you call someone Akata, there's a tenuous relationship behind it because for some people they're saying akata to mean like black american people but other people are like the actual translation of the word is not a great word so we shouldn't be calling people akata in general so does akata is akata like uncle tom for us in america like how dare you even i mean it depends like it's not used it's kind of like the n-word like you could use it in a that's way that's what i was wondering like it's a hard ER or you could use it in a way where it's like you're speaking to your friends or whatever. Right. And like with Akata, it's kind of the same thing. But now that there's so much back and forth about it, I kind of stay away from just calling people that in general because I don't want them to feel like I'm trying to offend them even if I'm like actively not. Um, Have so, you used that word before as like a, as a term of endearment? I yeah, guess I mean, like in family settings people will say like when they're talking about people who are black american i mean they're not saying it to be like oh those you know akata unless they are because some people will be like ah akata people they're just you know like that but then other people saying it as like akata people like the black american people so it's hot and cold or even maybe as a as a joke to you have an african family members like you so american right now exactly like oh look at this akata girl because it might like it's the same kind of thing so like there's so much surrounding the word but the book akata which is about uh, a young nigerian american girl she was born here her parents Mm -hmm. took her back home and um to nigeria and she is going to school there and they keep calling her the Akata girl, even though she's like Nigerian, like right, so it's making her feel like an outcast. Exactly, and then on top of that, she is albino, so mm. you know there's a tenuous relationship with albino, well, albinism in West Africa in general, because there's a lot of people who like hunt albino people because they're like, oh, you know, we get for money and witchcraft and all of these different kinds of things. But right. in the book, it kind of takes all these negative things that could you know remain negative and make them positives for her and like she it's her journey of like exploring witchcraft but not like in a negative way which is african people and witchcraft is like ew no canceled but in the book it kind of adopts all of these negative things and makes it into kind of like the african harry potter right and it's just a really really good book and like it was a book like i saw a lot of myself in 
Mm. I didn't really see because I mean like I love Harry Potter but I'm also not a 11 year old white boy with you know green right. eyes and, no no of course you know, it's just like it was it's good to kind of see that now like in the future fantasy is moving towards you know all different spectrums of race people. and cultures exactly. and you don't feel like you have to kind of like search for yourself in the book because I remember like I knew every black person in the whole Harry Potter world like cover to cover I'm like yes Angelina Johnson, Dean Thomas, you know, Lee Jordan, like I could rattle off all their names because that was all we had. So, you know, and yeah, but the book is really good. And there's a, there's another series I want to read, but I haven't read it yet. Children of Blood and Bone. Children of Blood and Bone. So what's the author of the first book, Akata Witch? So people can um, give them a look. Nena Okafo. I don't I, like. I you know what? You're gonna send me an email, and I'm gonna just put that yeah. <laughs> in the description. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm write it off for you. I got you. No problem. Um, it's a really good book, and it's so like different. Like I, I love you know hearing like all these things that are supposed to be bad, but like they made it so good into such a good story. I like it. That's dope. And what's your favorite nonfiction book? Because I know you're in the health world, so I'm sure you're reading different things of <laughs> science. And, and law now that you're about to be an esquire so yeah. well my favorite non-fiction book for like a sad reason is henrietta Lacks, the my immortal life of henrietta Lacks. you actually sent me a link to that recently and yes i did i didn't get a chance to read the book but i remember the movie and i watched the movie and it was it was very sad knowing that you know this beautiful black woman cells is helping so many other people out in the world, but it's without consent. Exactly. Um, so I read it. So we had to join a book club before we came to law school. Well, you didn't have to, but I'm kind of like a joiner person. I always volunteer my things for, for stuff. Like I really should chill, but I volunteered myself to be part of a book club with the um, health law professor and she assigned us to read the book and like I, I knew about HeLa cells before um because her her cells are named HeLa cells and I was a bio major in undergrad so like I I had seen it in like science textbook and it like literally did not mean anything to me at all I'm like whatever right. the same other science things as everything else but then to like read her story read how this guy was like pawning off you know cells of every black woman that was coming through Johns Hopkins they're not telling her that you know anything is happening like what's going on after they give her this like horrendous cancer treatment they went back to try to collect more cells but the treatment was so harmful that like those second set of cells died like only the original cancer cells that she had were the ones that became HeLa cells the story is sad you, you hear what happens to her kids after she passes you're hearing about like she um one of her um her children right if I'm not mistaken yeah a lot of her yeah. children like so many scientists patented the cells it went all over the world it did so many things it's the base of so many cures and like her family never got a single I mean these patents are billion dollar trillion dollar oh, even knows right how much money they're making and like you get zero cents all of, so many people in her family are poor the person who wrote the book like it was told through the lens of a white woman so i'm also cognizant of that as well because i was just like you know i don't know what how the story would have looked if somebody else would have written it but mm -hmm. you know it was still it was still a really good read and like she kind of went through all of the emotions and she tried not to color um certain conversations that they had so certain things are said 
in the way that the person spoke to her about them. So like right. slang, she wrote it in the slang, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then being in law school and learning about how that kind of stuff works, they're just like, well, if you consent to a surgery of this sort and they th- take something that they would have thrown away anyway, then it doesn't belong to you anymore. And I always just thought like, that is so ridiculous because the story with Henrietta Lacks has happened to a lot of people. Like they'll go in right. some type of treatment, mostly cancer. They cut something out. Whatever they cut out is like some miracle cell that is changing the world in some way. The doctor right. out, patents it and then you get no money because they're like, oh, well, what would you have done with it anyway? They use the, the product that was thrown away and they made it into something substantially different. So it's mm-hmm. not that you have you know the right to and i just think like laws like that are ridiculous because you wouldn't have anything to work with if i didn't give you anything to have in the first place like there should be some type of is there a way to like restructure those type of laws though because i'm sure it's a state-by-state case or federal if you're really shipping cells you know out of the country it's depends i don't know enough about patent law to like tell you like a firm answer right for the most part you can't really get anything back from that you kind of just have to you kind of just have to take your l or you have to figure out if you're going to find a doctor who you're going to make them sign some type of contract before that says like you know if you take something out and it's amazing i want royalty profitable for health yeah but i don't even know how that would work so i can't even say for sure like that's what you would do when you learn about it in class they're kind of just like sucks to suck and it's just (laughs) what do you mean like right oh my god yeah that's crazy um what else can we talk about let me think so so when was your love of like writing come about because although i know at childhood you reading at 12 like was is it instilled from your mom telling you like yo these are some good books to read because you've read all different type of books so yeah actually no my parents never like pushed me to be a reader like I just I don't know like I just really like stories I guess because I'm a daydreamer like it started because like I just wanted to go away but like if you yeah. can't go away the way to go away is like through a book so, absolutely like, eat a lot and I like would make up a lot of like my own stories in my head and I had like random journals where I would write nonsensical stories all the time so is that when it became pen to paper for you eventually yeah and like my dad would always be like you know you you would be so good in law school if you go to law school like you'll do so well and I was just like ew like I want to be a doctor (laughs) go to law school and And look at you now yeah look at me now that's why you should never say never um I mean, I did actually write a lot, even when I was in camp, but because I was nerdy, like the outlets I was choosing, everybody would be like, why are you, why are you here? Like I, like I would write poetry and stuff like that. And I would like mm-hmm. try to join like the rap e-club and everyone's like, girl, right. like, did you think right. this book club was closed or like, <laughs> like, like I can't, I can't write with y'all. Like I have stuff to say too, you know, like, right. You know, I like you. I like to express myself. Yeah, but you know, it, it kind of, but that I will admit that I kind of was like, damn, well, maybe like 
I should like fall back from writing and just like focus on what I know. Of course, it wasn't like intentional yeah. or anything. Like I still wrote here and there. I still wrote a little bit of poems, but I just kind of felt like, you know, maybe this is just something that I do for play and it doesn't have to be like anything really like serious. So outside of poetry, like when did you start maybe caring about certain stories? Would you want to write a book? I don't know. Maybe one day, like really far down the line. Well, right, you got a lot on your plate right now. My life right now, I can't like see anything else past that. But I think like I really became, I guess, like a science writer or like a social justice, civil rights right. um, writer in college. Um, my little brother was diagnosed with autism, and um. I just like started like looking through information, trying to figure stuff out, and like learning more about it. And then like you know, I learned how much people who have autism, they can't really advocate for themselves. And like, I learned about like the treatment that they have to go through in group homes and just like growing up and not being able to like express yourself. So I started like learning about it. So I did every project that I could do on autism, like did a whole bunch of internships on it. And then like, after that, I was like assistant teaching in a school, trying to figure out where I wanted to go to grad school um, in Brooklyn. And I was part of this program where you like worked from like the end of the school day into after school since I didn't have any certification. Right. Um, so I was kind of just like in an observant role in the classroom. And I just used to see like what would go on with the kids. And I would just be like, who is writing? Like, you know, all this like legislation and all these, cause like some of the stuff like what happened wouldn't make any, any sense at all. And then like, I really decided I was going to grad school. After that summer, I worked in this camp where a majority of the kids came from shelters. Um, all over New York and they would get there on these buses every day and the way that the camp would just treat them was just like it was ridiculous to, to be short like I, I the camp situation ended up with me suing the person who owned the camp because she because of like, like back issues but like I mean some of these kids the only food they would get to eat all day was the food that was served at camp she mm. wouldn't have money to give them food so what she would do was she would make us meet in the morning at every school that offered the summer the summer youth uh free breakfast and free lunch program she was a that was robin that was robin the, the new york city robin <laughs> i was like wait is this illegal but like i didn't know at the time i'm like what 22 right. i'm like are you right. allowed to do this and she would just be like uh-huh so we would go they would get the free breakfast and then she would say oh we're doing activities for the day she would have us in a in an open field because she knows that there's also summer summer NYC trucks that bring lunch to those parks because they know kids are gonna play there. Another free meal for the day, and then she's supposed to be providing like snacks. She would go to Costco and get like the the ices. That's like what water and food coloring. Little ten cent ices and keep it yeah. pushing. And then like an orange and she'll be like, yeah, you see it's sweet and this. And I would just be looking at her, like even her field trip, she said she was taking them to Staten Island to go see the Statue of Liberty. Did you, shelter kit, people who are in shelters, I don't know how the situation worked, but she managed to get all the children on the ferry or whatever for free right. to the island. They're like, okay, cool. Like I'm thinking we're going to like, you know, go on a tour or like do something mm -hmm. important. No, she just had them sit outside and that was the day they had to bring their own lunch because they were going on a field trip. We literally did nothing but cross on the ferry and then get on the ferry and go right back. So they saw the Statue of Liberty in passing and then they went home. 
and it was just a really toxic environment. I mean, I used to steal lunches for like the kids because they wouldn't have any food when they get home. I'm like, no, of course. What are you gonna do for dinner? So I would say, oh, it's for me, and then pack a couple in all their bags because I had the youngest kids, and like they can't eat a lot in one sitting. Like they're two. What is they eat like two bites of cereal? Like oh, I'm so full, and it's like no, you're not. But let right. me just pack all this stuff, you know, for later for when you get home. Um, like it was bad. Like some parents didn't have change of clothes. But like they would leave the kids in like the same wet clothes all day. And like that didn't sit right with me. So I started locking the like I would tell them to go into the, the bathroom stall, lock the door, pass me their dirty clothes. I was washing it in the sink by mm. hand, drying it in the blow dryer and then giving them back. Because I'm like, you cannot be sending these children home like with rashes and all kind of stuff because, right. you know, it. It, it was bad. But anyway, one day I just woke up and I was like, you know what? I'm going to grad school for public health because like this is ridiculous and everyone in, in ever is ridiculous. And I just I need to find out as much as I can on all these issues so I could like actually contribute besides the little right. that I'm doing, you know, here or there. I didn't even have a laptop at the time. I wrote my personal statement on my phone. Like I was just like, I'm leaving. And I, and I start, and it was August when I decided. So it was late. And my parents right. were like, who are you going to go to? Like, it's August. Like, it's so late. Like, why don't you just wait for the next round of school? And I was like, no, there's programs that start in January. I'm going now. Right. And that's how I ended up at Rutgers. And then a long journey to law school from there. Right. Which is, <laughs> it's amazing though. It's like, you're, your willingness to want to seek information is what caused you to do all these steps, right? Yeah. And seeing the different things that you need to to grow into. And now it's like yeah. you're not reaching a big goal that your parents probably told you about that you never took seriously until you now you're there. I'm not doing that. <laughs> right. And now I'm like, oh, look at me doing that. So. No, absolutely. So I know I've asked you a lot of questions. Do you have yeah. any questions for me? I do like I just want to know like how do you come up with your story ideas like you like you're an, like you're like a real author like I feel like I'm like, freelance here and there but I'm just kind of like an academic but like you're like an actual writer like how do you come with ideas I think it starts the way you started just daydreaming like I think it's just <laughs> not losing that part of you right not letting society pressure make you feel like you can't take a moment to daydream so a lot of my things, I feel like I like download from like, from, from spirit, from God. So it's like when I meditate, I might get like a little title. And then from there, I'll start working on the beginning of understanding what I want my beginning to be and the end. And then the journey is just trying to find my way through that maze of, of the middle to make yeah. what I think the beginning of the story should be and what the ending I want. So it's kind of just, just reminding yourself that you was a kid before and you can always tap back into it. Because I write a lot of young adult kind of yes. simple stories. I don't try to overwrite things to make me feel like, I want everyone to feel like they can read my book. I don't want no one to feel like they can't listen or read it, so. Honestly, the young adult section of books is the elite section of all of the books that I think yeah. personally. So even now, I would still read a young adult. No, same, young adult coming of age. It's just something about those stories that makes you feel like, I was there before or now these lessons now make sense even more now. Exactly. I love those type of books. So like my favorite book in high school was like Tuesday with Maury. That's one of the books that made me think, oh wow, storytelling is pretty cool. Wow. 
what's your process like like how long does it take you to write a book i'm getting faster but like i think my very first book it probably took me about a year and a half just because i didn't know the process at all or even like the, the key thing of writing is just sitting your butt down for two <laughs> hours a day and actually typing away Typing away. whatever's junk get rid of it if you want to or just make it better every day you sit down to work on that particular story that makes sense do you do you like ever feel like how do i cut it down or is it like you get to like just enough no because i purposely try not to overwrite i try not to write more than fifty thousand words in any book just because i feel like that's a lot okay so like some of my books is is, is meant to be thirty thousand words because i want you to get in and get out life is you got a lot of things a lot of distractions for life i'm not trying to distract you forever I just want you to have a good story with some good moral compass in it. And then from there, you yeah. do what you please. So that's my that's my goal. But I think that hurts when you're not trying to be independent. If you're trying to get a book deal, they want 85,000 words, they want 100,000 words. But a lot of those books, they're repeating themselves in those YA <laughs> books. They're not writing anything new. Because some of them, you could be like, you could have stopped three chapters ago. Right. Tell me what happened. But I'm going to still read it because I don't <laughs> like I right. don't <laughs> Uh, that's so dope. I didn't even know. Like, I was like, how do you, like, and I hope that answers your question because I'm sure it's much more, but I think since I do it so much, I'm probably missing certain details that are very important. Like, I don't know. In my mind, I feel like you're sitting there with, like, I know there's no typewriters now, but in my mind, I just think of no, like, yeah. and like all these pages surrounding them, and they're like, oh, I don't know, like, what to do. Or well, like, for a crime series, I don't know nothing about law and stuff. I did some <laughs> research for like those books that are coming out. Uh-huh. So it's like research outlines are like critical. Just prepping before you actually write your first word is very critical. But knowing your beginning and your end is even the most important because then you can find okay. your way through the maze of like the middle of like the high and low points of the story. Yeah, so true. I know like I suck at like making an outline. I know I'm in law school. I'm supposed to be, oh, you're so good at outline. No, like, I, I'm horrible. Like, I just start writing stuff, and then I'm like, oh, I need a point. Or, like, I need to, like, figure out where I'm going before I finish things. So, like, wow. I think like, in the beginning, I could just freelance write because I, I felt like I just had a few stories in me already. But now that I'm, okay. I've already had seven books out, now I was like, all right, now I need to start doing top um, outline. Yeah. <laughs> my brain can't hold every every last character that i ever thought about in my life so it's like now i gotta start definitely doing outline and that's making the process faster because now i have more direction where to go i'm not just going off of feelings and emotions of what i think my characters will do although i still try to keep that yeah I feel like it's more structured to move faster oh and i'm not like do you sit with your characters like all day like in your mind like do you know what they sound like i always wonder because i know like when i read a book like in my head they sound a certain way or they talk a certain like do you think of that too like i know you write it out so like yeah but like when you're watching no, people, yeah i do because a lot of my um writing is like also dialogue based too so i don't just write it to be colorful i write more i guess i write like a man like <laughs> straight to the point yeah very, as much detail as needed because i still want you to have an imagination i don't want to yeah leave you not to have your own vision of what they could be Exactly. While telling you what the characters are going through. Yeah, So since I write very dialogue based and and certain parts of every story, I definitely try to make sure that the conversations are poignant and and needed to like move the stories forward. Have you written yourself into like, is somebody you or are you like parts of people? Or is there like one 
one person like this is me like if i could live another life or something well the one book that's closest to me is my very first book yeah I love which that. is the dreamer the boy who called 22. So the character Jared in that is is basically essentially me just growing up, knowing right, and just trying to stay on the right path to get to college and avoid like you know certain certain loopholes and things that happen in people's lives. So that that's the closest story that you'll have of me that's fiction. Mm-hmm. But everything else is just uh, maybe bits and pieces of what I feel deep inside and like expressing that through other characters, but not necessarily something I would care to do or care to truly feel that way about every day of my life. So like, I don't know if you've got a chance to read my kids of the diaspora book, which is like, it's, it's like, a, that's like a very adult language book, but it's like dark comedy. So yeah. that book, um, it was just too frustrating of, of getting the college degree, but not getting the right jobs and, and feeling like I'm not where I want to be. Yeah. So that was writing from like a place of, of anger, but through like comedy. So like those that understand that story can laugh, but no, like it's, it's, it's from pain. Yeah, no, I have it, but I have not like like it's on my list of things to. It's an easy read, and you'll you'll laugh at some of the things because of like wow, like it's funny, but it's so true of yeah. like that that were happening for sure. Oh, I cannot wait! I can't wait! I'm like I have so many books I have to read over the break because yeah, so that's that's, that's my tip. It's like I think you can do it, and I would love to anywhere I can assist you on us letting you publish your first book independently. I'm so down to help. You know, after the bar, I'm I'm gonna seriously sit down and think of it because I have like stories in my head that have been there for like who knows how long. Right, or even been. even your life story with a few twists is is the great way to release yeah. your first book because although I'm tired of hearing about talking about the dreamer, a lot of people love that book because it's it brings close to them because they grew up around them, so they have some of the similar yeah. stories. So yeah. that's why I think sometimes those books are, are more attached to people than any other book. Cause I think my skills gotten better, way better than yeah. that book, but the content and the idea of that book is what people fall in love with. It like resonates with you, like what? Yeah. Harry Potter book, I was like, oh my God. I exactly. Like, so it just, it, it never gets old. No, that's so, like, I'm so fascinated by this process. Like I could ask you like a million questions. I don't know how long, like, <laughs> I didn't oh, wanna- I mean. You can ask a few more. This is what it's about. It's writer to writer. Like you write well. I love your Juneteenth blog. I oh, love thank you. your your health blog. It lets me know I gotta be more on point on certain things for myself. So you know. Yeah, like a lot of the stuff like I write just came out of a place of like me sitting in a classroom and they're like, "Oh, this is that," and I'm like, "What?" Like that? Why? Like why is this a thing? And like you know, going to law school in Virginia, I am the minority here. I'm not in Northern Virginia. I'm in Williamsburg, Virginia. So it's right. it's very not polarized in in some senses, but it is in other senses where it's kind of like you can count all the black people in my. You're country. seeing the other side of America that is. Yeah, your, it's kind of like. Yeah there's this many of y'all and you know mm-hmm. so you always just feel hyper conscious of the fact that you're black like in new york you can kind of i guess like blend in a little bit because even if you're like in a neighborhood that or area that's predominantly white people associate with their culture rather than their race a lot like yeah people are white but like they're italian or they're polish or they're greek or they're whatever they are and and that's what right. they 
spend more time focusing on. But that's what we do too, most of us that are from family of immigrants at least. Exactly. Right? We're like, oh, you know, like I'm African or I'm Caribbean or I'm right. whatever. And then you come here and it's like white and black. And I'm like, right. that's it. Like <laughs> Right. All that all those all those other flags y'all like, it cut it like, out. Don't don't belong here. You're just black and they're just right. white. And that's just it. And I'm just like, it's so different. It's different, but sometimes I think it helps let you know what side you're on if there's ever a problem, though. Like yeah, exactly. down there, if they if they don't like you, it's, it's going to be known. It's not like up here where it's hidden agendas in New York. Yeah, there's a lot of hidden agendas. Well, not so hidden in Long Island and Staten Island. But... Well, I grew up in Long Island, so I know. Yeah, not so hidden there, but the rest right. of the, everywhere else is kind of like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It is, maybe. But that's because in Long Island they feel comfortable because everything's already segregated. It's top exactly. ten in segregation, both counties. Top ten. And you know, because you went to school in Stony Brook, so you know the vibe. <laughs> as an adult. Like, you leave Stony Brook to go to the mall, and you were just like, oh, "I'm going back to campus." <laughs> right. No, I, I got what's you. Going on, but I would, I would just go back to campus. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, like. Yeah, I want to. I want to be like a writer like you. I like. I feel like you're a real writer. And I think you are a real writer. I hate when people. No, you're a real writer too. <laughs> you just haven't taken the time to write fiction yet because you're becoming an esquire. That's true. But that's once you get your law degree and if you have a few hours every day, two hours a day, yeah. But for sixty days, you write your first draft. You'd be surprised how much you'll get done. True. That's the only tip I'm saying online. And to the podcast world right now, I'll tell you more. Ones you gotta, yeah, I got to sprinkle them in. You got to yeah. like bring them in. So if you're listening today, now you know. Like if you're trying to find out, you need to listen to Yeah, them. just but sit down for two hours a day and, and start writing. And from there, you'd be surprised what you come up with. That's what I did with the Dreamer. And I lost the first one because my computer went kaput on me. So I had to rewrite it again. But my willingness to rewrite it again, let me know this is really what I wanted to do because I didn't want to write until I was about 23. Although we had a, a meeting a few months ago with some of our old friends from camp, they said I was always writing. I don't remember that necessarily. I, <laughs> well, I appreciate that, but I don't remember that. And I never thought- It's so weird what you don't remember about yourself. Right, because like I, me going to school for business administration and management, I was not thinking, I was thinking, how, how am I gonna get to this money? I ain't thinking about yeah, yeah. being an artsy, artsy, fartsy writing. So yeah, for me to like do it now, lets me know that was really my passion as a kid. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Like, do you see yourself writing like something completely, like would you write like a memoir or like, a, like I know like Dreamer is kind of a memoir in a way, but like, would you write like, a non-fiction book or like something like totally different. I want to, but I want to be like to level of success where I'm not just talking to 50 people. Like I'm not important enough yet, but like maybe my characters can be for them to care, you know? Like that's yeah. just how I feel about myself. And I think as a writer, the best way you write is by not having an ego because you're just worried about the characters doing what they want, what they need to do. It's not about what you want them to do. It's about what's the moments that they're in and what, what this character will do. And I think that comes out in my life of me. I didn't want to do a podcast. I just wanted to be known as a writer and a creative in that sense. And we just don't live in that time anymore. You have to do a little bit of everything. So this is like just my first step of getting into that world. I feel like you're ready in that world. I can't wait till you're like famous. Oh, I appreciate it. You're like on CNN or something. Like, 
one day, and hopefully it's for the good, hopefully it's for the good things too. Right. That's, that's my friend. Like I know him. I know him. Right. That's gonna be me watching TV from my house. No, and I'm gonna and listen. This is what I realized that from us talking this summer of reconnecting that our friendship, our bond goes deeper than we even know because of just yes. childhood. Like when you realize that that's where it started with you, like. It's a beautiful blessing to say that I know Dome, you know? Oh, and it's a blessing to say I know you. You are always so nice to me. I knew, like, even growing up, I was like, even if everybody's going to make fun of me, Britain's not going to say nothing. He's going to be like, nah, just, y'all got to chill and shake his head. Like, no. This is, like, I can't be doing it right now. Like, being Yeah, nah, probably. Why are y'all doing that? Just leave her alone. <laughs> Well, it just comes down to like if we if you know better, do better. That's something my father always said. So it's like that's the one lesson that like I try to take with me wherever, no matter what's yeah, going on. I always appreciated that. No, definitely. <laughs> so I guess I want to talk to you more, but I'm going to end the podcast. So okay. I guess I'm going to do the quote of the week, which is from Robert Louis Stevenson, author of Treasure Island. I kept two books in my pocket, one to read and one to write in. So that's a quote that I think is a great tip. Because if to be a great writer, I feel like you have to read constantly just to remove yourself of your own writing and just to, to see the skill set of someone else's writing helps you write better too. And lyrics of the week, since we all love music and that's kind of what runs our lives, I just want to talk about the second verse of the Nipsey Hustle on dedication and I'm gonna read his lyrics and maybe if I could put the song in, if I don't get flagged, this is uh, the verse. Look, this ain't entertainment, it's for ends on the slave ship. These songs just spirituals I swim against the waves with, ended up on shore to their amazement. Do you wanna talk about the lyric, the lyric breakdowns a little bit with me? How, what did you think of that, those first few bars that he said? I honestly like, I see you getting excited, so I want to bring you in on this. Like, my spirit was like, oh, yes. Same. I used to, like, play that on the way to law school every day. Like, I hope the examples I set that's contagious. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, so Absolutely. Like, it was, and, that was never, that was the most beautifully crafted. Three. Four lines I've heard in a long time. Absolutely. I, like, I, I, I was floored. Like, I mean. That's Especially when you know your blackness, at least a tad bit, and you hear those lines, they, they resonate in your spirit differently. It did. Like, that was really a gift. Like, I, I, I love that album. I think it's a great album. Honestly, like, I love Cardi to death, but Nipsey really should have won. Yeah. So I'm going to continue the verse, but from those four lines, he's talking about actually. In my opinion, he's growing, he's talking about his neighborhood necessarily. Look, this ain't entertainment. It's for ends on the slave ship. These songs just the spiritual that swim against the waves. So he's talking about the things he had to overcome basically in, the, in those moments. And somehow I made it rich out of the neighborhood he comes from to their amazement. Like, how did he do that? So now I hope the example I set's not contagious. Lock, lock up behind gate, but can't tame us. Used to be stay safe, now it's stay dangerous. Cause ain't no point in playing defense and that's why I dove off the deep end N word <laughs> without a life jacket. Couple mil to the world, dog my life cracking, cook the books, bring it back so it's no taxes. 
royalties, publishers, plus I own masses. I'll be damned if I slave for some white crackers. So right there, he's talking about, in my opinion, entrepreneurship and um, mm. who he started his journey with is the four people on the slave ship, which he's been talking about his business partners of them finding their way through the maze of, of where they grew up to get to where they're at. And he did it without a life jacket because he went for it. He didn't, you know, he didn't hold back. So I just think these lines are just so poignant of, of you wanting to go out and do something for yourself, whoever you are. And talking about he owns all his stuff, so therefore he's not a slave to the system of, of the music. I was mapping this out, I hit the heist backwards. So he's saying that you, his whole thing being mad that he took his time mapping it out to hit the heist of, of, of robbing the industry by not signing to them and them owning anything of him. Hopping out the 85, which I believe is a car, don't know which car, in the Reebok <laughs> Classics. Run a couple marathons just to get established. To make it happen, you got to have it, dedication. So those are the lyrics of the week. Ooh, that was the quote of the week. And love. I just want to say thank you again to Domi for um, being my first guest on this new journey that I'm taking. Thanks for so, having me. I'm excited. No, thank you. <laughs> All right, guys, have a great day and continue dreaming, continue writing. This is Americana Quill. If it ain't congratulating, it look like hate. If it ain't congratulating, it look like what Nick said. Hold up. Nah, this ain't entertainment. It's four niggas on the slave ship. These songs just the spirituals I swam against them waves with. Ended up on shore today, amazement. I hope the example I set's not contagious. Lock us behind gates, but can't tame us. Used to be stay safe, now stay dangerous. Cause ain't no point playing defense, nigga. That's why I dove off the deep end, nigga, without a life jacket. Couple mil, tour the world, all my life cracking. Cook the books, bring it back, so it's no taxes. Royalties, publishing, plus our own masters. I'd be damned if I slay for some white crackers. I was mapping this out, I hit the heist backwards. Hopping out the 85 and rebot classes. Read a couple marathons just to get established. To make it happen, you got to have dedication. Hard work, plus patience, to some more of my sacrifice I'm done waiting, I'm done waiting, told you that I wasn't playing Now you hear what I've been saying Dedication It's dedication